Father, we just thank you for such a day as this. We thank you for what you're doing. We may not always understand what you're doing, but we know your heart is right and your ways are just. As a nation, we've gone through turbulent times. As nations of the world, we've gone through challenging times. But we know even when we can't trace your hand, we still trust your heart, that your heart is good. So this morning we ask, dear Lord, that for those who might have lost loved ones, we ask that you heal their heart and comfort them. For those who might be sick right now, we ask for your healing over them. For those who are here and they're worried, they're anxious about their income, about tomorrow, I ask dear Lord that you will quieten their spirit and you will heal their heart. Speak to us this morning through your word and let every heart be gladdened that we came. We give you glory and praise in Jesus' mighty name and God's wonderful people say, Amen, Amen. And this Sunday, I'll be starting a new series titled Running with the Giants. Everyone said Running with the Giants. And you can tell that I decided to get myself a jumper that says giant. Mm-hmm. Now, who are giants? These, and I'm not talking about the giants of Jericho or giants who are, and I know sometimes we use giants as synonyms for difficult situation. I'm talking about men and women whose steps and strides upon the pages of the scriptures and whose exemplary lifestyle have become a model that you and I were looking at or you and I, we should actually look into with intent. Some of them were not great people. Some of them did not conquer nations. Some of them were not men or women of faith, but they were people that demonstrated exemplary lifestyle that you and I need to look into. These giants don't wait around for opportunities to show up before they create one to serve those who they've been sent to. They are people who have realized that life is not a sprint. Life is a marathon. They're people whose values and character and beliefs and convictions are worthy of emulation for us to live a purposeful life in as today's Christians. As for why I call them giants, because of how they lived their life with such way that is worthy of emulation. They didn't live a transformed life. They lived a transformational life. They lived a life that was left as example for other people to follow. Their behavior, their pattern, their faith, their beliefs, their values, they left every single one of us wondering how amazing these people are. And therefore, we refer to them as giants. Some of them were not people great faith but they were people of great God some of them were not people of great values but they were people of purposeful values some of them were not people of great future but they found a great savior henceforth we refer to them as giants and for the next couple of weeks we will be running with this giants praise the Lord touch two people and say we're running with the giants we're running with the giants In Hebrews chapter 11, the writer of the book of Hebrews had just gone through what we know as the Faith uh, Hall of Fame. He went through the recipients of the Hall of Fame uh, gold medals. He was interested, however, to see that some of the recipients of the Hall of Fame gold medal were not perfect people, but they were purposeful people. They were not perfect people, but they were purposeful people. For example, how did Jacob, the bad boy of Canaan, how did he make it to the hall of fame, the faith hall of fame? How did Jacob make it there? 
I'm talking about Jacob. How did Rahab, the notorious bad girl of Jericho, how did she make it to the hall of fame in the book of Hebrews chapter 11? If I, talking about Rahab, Jericho's rave was not complete if Rahab had not turned it up. Jericho's rave was not complete if Rahab had not represented. In fact, her leaves, her scandalous dress, everything about Rahab was the talk of the town. How did Jacob make it to the faith hall of fame? How did Rahab, the harlot, the prostitute of Jericho, how did she make it to the faith hall of fame? I love the Lord because he doesn't drop the pen of history of our lives until he writes write the last chapter. The Lord doesn't drop the pen of history of your life. He doesn't drop the pen of history of my life until he writes the last chapter of the story of our life. Don't judge someone because you just read the second chapter of their life journal. You haven't even seen what the chapter six look like. May I be quick to say to you that some people are watching me right now and some people are listening or some people will even watch me later. That may I be quick to say that they are at the point of giving up on themselves right now or give up on a relationship or on a career right now because they're focusing on the immediate chapter of the story. They haven't even seen what the next chapter of the story is going to look like. Some of my giants that I'll be talking about, they didn't make it to the Hebrew 11 uh, faith hall of fame because the narratives of their lives were not inspired by the applause of spectators but it was inspired by the testimony of witnesses it was inspired by the affirmation of witnesses in the word of god our life race is not about the applause of spectators all around us in fact real life is not about your instagram followership or who you follow it doesn't matter who follows you if you're not follow, following christ you're just wasting time because he is the real deal say to someone christ is the real deal it's time to follow him and listen Real life is not about your Instagram followership. Real life is who you are when all the chips of life are down. Real life is who you are on the inside when all the chips of life are down. Real life is who you are when coronavirus shuts everyone down. Real life is who you are in your relationship when you're not going to work, when you're not doing your, your 9 to 5 every time. Real life is who you are on the inside when you have to manage short space, small space with your partner. Real life is who you are when life threatens you on every side yet you refuse to give up it's not who you follow or who follow you on the on instagram is who you are when all the life chips are down so as we began on the series running with the giants my first giant drum roll, drum roll her name is mary the sinner i bet some of you have never even heard about her her name is mary the sinner in Luke chapter 7 verse 36 to verse 50, Luke chapter 7 verse 36 to verse 50, while Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the Pharisee, the Bible says a woman that was described in the Bible as the sinner came to Jesus, knelt at his feet and began to wipe Jesus' feet with her tears. And she anointed Jesus' feet with oil of spikenard, which was a very expensive oil. And also, she began to wipe Jesus' feet with her hair. 
And as we started to look at the stories of the giants that we're running with in this series, I want us to learn three things quickly from the story of this giant known as Mary the Sinner. I want us to look at three things from the story of this giant known as Mary the Sinner. The first thing I'd like to learn about the life of this giant is one, in relationship, always look in, look up before you look around. In relationships, in relationship with people, in relationship with your partner, in relationship with your spouse, in relationship with your neighbors, in relationship with your co-employers or co-employees, in relationship in life, before making a decision with people, always look in, look up before you look around. Pasake, what do you mean by that? When this woman came and knelt at Jesus' feet and began to wipe this Jesus' feet with her hair, people began to look at this woman and began to think, what? If this man is actually a holy man, as he said he was, he would have guessed that there was something fishy and something wrong about this woman, that this woman was not as innocent as she portrayed to be. In the story, the host said, Inside the Bible says the host said to himself, If this man was indeed a man of God, he will have known what kind of woman it is who is touching him. It's very interesting that we're very quick to forget where we were before we arrive at where we are. Simon, the host, easily forgot that if not for God's mercy, Jesus would not have even come to his house in the first place. Why? Because Simon was a leper. In fact, in Mark chapter 14, he was described by what he used to experience. May it never happen to you that people still refer to your life because of the things you used to suffer. May your life never continue to exist and be labeled by the things you used to suffer. The Bible says Simon in Mark chapter 14, he was described as Simon the leper. He forgot that according to the laws, of the Old Testament, lepers were outcast, and the same Simon could judge somebody else and said, If Jesus was indeed a man of God, he would have recognized that this giant of a woman was not someone that should come near him at all. We don't often remember where we were in comparison to where we are right now. We don't often remember the things and the, the problems we used to suffer and who we used to be and the addiction and the habits we used to deal with and we're so quick to just judge other people because of where they are right now. Touch two people and tell them, remember where you used to be before God brought you out of it. In dealing with people, it's important for us to remember where we used to be before the grace of God in Christ Jesus delivered you and I so that we don't just be quick to judge people. The first lesson we learn about this giant of a woman is that in relationship, we look in and reflect. We look up and give thanks before we look around and give criticism. We live in the day and age that people are quick to send emails and text messages to express their views and even to their loved ones. Would it not help if we pause for a moment and reflect 
before we respond because you never knew how much of a bad day they've had. You never knew what they, they experienced. And a lot of people have ruined good relationship just because they didn't take time to look in and reflect, to look up and give thanks and before they look around and give criticism. Some people have sent a good man out of their life because they did not look in and reflect that weeping may tarry for a night joy comes in the morning. They didn't look up to give thanks to God that God will provide regardless of what is happening all around them before they just look around and just give criticism. Some people have ruined good relationship at work because they didn't look in and reflect on who they were before. They didn't look up and give thanks to God for giving them the opportunity of where where they are now before they look around and just give criticism the first we learned about this giant of a woman called mary the sinner is that in relationship we look in and reflect we look up and we give thanks before we look around and give criticism in this season that you're in maybe you're complaining that your children are running around the house and they're disturbing you you need to look up and be grateful that you have children in the house. Some people have been praying to God to give them at least one child. And you are complaining that your children are disturbing you. Maybe you're complaining that your, your colleague at work, they're so demanding that you know they're giving you too much work to do. You need to look inward and reflect. You need to look upward and be grateful before you complain. You're lucky you have a job. Some people are out of job now. Sometimes when we look at the experience going on around us, we're very quick to make decisions without having a proper understanding or proper perspective of the experience that is going on around us you're complaining that your husband or your wife needs to go and lose weight and because of that your attitude towards them has become quite malicious you need to be grateful that you have a husband or a woman that or a wife that gives you peace of mind at home some people have skinny partners they have they have skinny and you know fit looking partners but they are losing the weight of their mind every day because their partners are making life horrible for them you need to be appreciative of the things that god has blessed you with i'm not saying our partners should not be fit i'm not saying we should not look after our health i'm just saying look inside and reflect and be grateful look upward and be thankful before you look around and being spiteful to people. Learn to look in in reflection. Learn to look up in thanksgiving before you look around in judgment. Praise the Lord. Second lesson we're learning from this giant of a woman is that people's pain and joy are relative to their experience. People's pain and joy are relative to their experience and sometimes you're not the best judge of what they're going through. Some people saw a wasteful woman. Jesus saw a surrendered woman. Some people saw a woman that was just wasting the oil. Jesus saw a woman that was ready to worship. Your opinion of a friend your opinion of a partner, your opinion of an acquaintance's behavior is not always an accurate interpretation of their experience. 
Your opinion of someone beside you, your opinion of how a church member is behaving, your opinion of how your partner is behaving, your opinion of how your children is behaving or are behaving is not always an accurate interpretation of their experience. You call her a wasteful woman. You went there the night that Jesus cast out seven demons out of her. You call her a wasteful woman. You went there the night when Jesus found her and delivered her from the shackles of hell. You call her a wasteful woman. You've not seen a woman who was ready to worship with everything that she's got. Because you were not there the night that Jesus found her. You were not there the night that Jesus delivered her from the shackles of demonic oppression. You weren't there the night that Jesus, the son of the living God, broke the shackles of, of habit, of addiction, of shame and of reproach and of curse in her life. And you're looking at how wasteful she is. How dare you because you don't know how much the cost of her oil is. You're looking at the price of the oil. You don't know what that oil cost her. I think it was C.C. Winans who, who, who sang the song, the alabaster box. You don't know the cost of my oil. You're looking at the price of my oil. How dare you judge me and say I'm wasteful in my, in, in my worship and my surrender to God. You don't know where he took me from. My pain and my joy is relative to my experience. Find one person and say my pain and my joy. Is relative to my experience. You don't understand where God brought me from. You don't understand what this giant of a woman was going through. You don't understand the shame and the reproach of sin and of bondage that Jesus brought me through. And how dare you say the way I'm worshiping God and being over and I'm being too much. You don't know the cost of the oil of my worship. It's because you never know that God is all you need until he's all you've got. Mm. You never know that God is all you need until he's all you've got. Some people, the reason why they feel they can do their own thing and let God do his own thing is because they believe they've got other things. But you never know God is all you need until he's all you've got. So what is oil in this context? Oil in this context is the final product of a lifetime process. It is the total result of the life experiences that you have been through. In the Bible time, pure oil has to be extracted from the olive seed or from the olive plant, but it has to go through extraction. And extraction will only take place by the oil being pressed by a heavier object. Some of you watching me right now, you are a sum total of the life experience that's pressed you on every side, at work, at home, in relationship, in business. You are a sum total of the life experiences that have pressed you on every side. Some of you have been pressed right now by the isolation that we're going through. Some of you have been pressed on every side by rejection. Some of you, you've been pressed on every side by failures but some of you have been pressed on every side by victories so whatever your experience they all form part of the amazing product that you are becoming say to yourself my experience form part of the amazing product that i am becoming your, your experience in life form part of the amazing product that god is making you to become i know what is so amazing the oil that's extracted from the olive plant is one of the major ingredients 
found in the anointing oil, which is used to anoint the tabernacle, that's used to anoint priests, that's used to anoint prophets, and is used to anoint kings. Tabernacle, prophet, priest, and king. And Pastor Ake, what, what are you saying? What, what's that got to do with me? Listen, when properly handled, the oil of your life experience, the product of your life experience should lead you to a place of worship as illustrated by tabernacle. The oil of your life experience should lead you to a place of service as illustrated by priesthood. The oil of your life experience should lead you to the place of revelation and insight as illustrated by the prophetic. And the oil of your life experience should lead you to the place of dominion and victory as illustrated by kingship. Now raise your hand with me and say the oil of my life experience is leading me to higher heights. The oil of my life experience is leading me to a higher height. So don't cast off your life experience. Don't cast off your testimony because the oil of your life experience, the total product of who God is making you to become, is leading you to a place of revelation. It's leading you to a place of worship. It's leading you to a place of service and it's leading you to a place of dominion. So therefore, no one except God has a right to put a price on the value of your oil. They have no idea the cost of the oil of your life experience. Some of you, it costs you family. Some of you, you have to let go of relationship. Some of you, you have to let go of pornographic or substance abuse or alcoholism to get to where you are right now. Substance that used to give you pseudo comfort, you have to let go of it. Listen to me this morning. Whatever you had to go through, whatever experience of pressing you went through for your oil to be extracted, whatever you have to give up for your oil to be extracted, will you stand on your feet right now and shout, Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it. While on your feet, I challenge you right now to take a 10 seconds break and just give all the thanks and all the praise to God. I went through this extraction, but I'm still standing. I went through the pressing of abuse, but I'm still standing. I went through the pressing of rejection, and I'm still standing. I went through pressing of failure or giving up relationship, but I'm still standing. Why? Because Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when you look at the way people express love, when you look at the way people express pain, don't pretend that you understand and be quick to judge them if you didn't know their story, if you didn't know the cost of their pain, if you didn't know the cost of their celebration, if you didn't know the cost of their worship, don't pretend to understand. Don't pretend to be quick to analyze it because their, their pain and their rejoicing is relative to them. And if you are like Mary the sinner, Please don't be ashamed to come to Jesus. It doesn't matter how filthy and dirty you feel. It doesn't matter how far away from him you have felt so much. His arms are wide open to welcome you back. It doesn't matter how far away you've gone. His arms are wide open and is waiting to welcome you back. 
And maybe you're watching me this morning and you have forgotten the cost of your oil and you're placing price on your oil. Maybe you've forgotten where you were before Jesus delivered you and brought you to where you are. Maybe you've forgotten the hardship you used to experience before God blessed you with the job that now makes you comfortable and you're not placing a price on the cost of your surrender to God or you're placing a price on what it's worth to celebrate God in your worship or you're placing a price. Maybe you've forgotten how you used to be lonely before God brought that woman, that man into your life and now you are looking at that woman or that man as if they're not worthy of being around you. Maybe you need to remember the cost of your oil instead of placing the price on your oil right now. Or maybe you've forgotten the lifestyle of sin that you used to live before God saved and delivered you. And who are you to judge somebody else because of the stage of life that they're going through right now? Praise the Lord. Number three. The third lesson we've learned from this giant of a woman known as Mary the sinner is that never use what you honor God for another purpose, regardless of how noble your intention is. The people around married the sinner. They saw her unbridled worship. They thought it was an unnecessary and wasteful display of emotion. They suggested that, you know, the, the oil should have been sold and the money should have been spent on poor people. You would have expected Jesus to say, you know what, that's actually true. But Jesus didn't say that. Because there is a principle for us to learn here. And the principle we should learn, which is a third lesson from the life of Mary, the giant, Mary the sinner, is that never use what should honor God for another purpose, regardless of how noble your intention is. You should always ask yourself this question. Am I honoring God or am I just massaging my own conscience? Am I honoring God or am I massaging my own ego? Never use what should honor God for another purpose, regardless of how noble your intention is. Jesus had this to say about this giant of a woman in Mark chapter 14, verse 9. Mark chapter 14, verse 9. Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will always be told as a memorial to her. Jesus said, wherever the story of the gospel will be told, what this woman has done, even though this woman's faith did not take her to the Hebrew chapter 11, her fame of faith, but what this woman has done will always earn her a place, a jersey amongst God's own giants. For the rest of eternity. Before, as I round up this Sunday morning, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 2, that we read at the beginning, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 2, the writer began to encourage us that in all areas of our life, 
in order to run with this giant, Mary the sinner, or in order to run with other giants of faith, these are people whose lifestyle is worthy of emulation. They're people whose lifestyle challenges us to actually be better people. Their lifestyle motivates and encourages us. It inspires us to actually come out of our status quo and be better people. It inspires us to come out of our, of our, uh, of our restful, easy zone and come out to a better place that we need to do three things. Everyone say three things. The first thing that we need to do to be like this giant is lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And this is subjective to individual interpretation. I remember something that happened to me last year where I was uh, at work. I was just coming from the staff room and I tripped on the stairs and I was going to fall face down down the stairs because I didn't want to let go of the bottle of water in my hand. At some point I realized that listen you need to let go of that bottle of water or you will end up in a hospital. Some people are on a fast track right now to a destruction zone and it's obvious that they have to let go of something that they're holding on to. Question what do you have to let go right now? before it costs you too much. Habit, people. And the second thing that the writer of the Hebrews chapter 12 said is, run with patience. Because in running with these giants, as we're going to see over the next couple of weeks, as we look at the lifestyle of these giants, some of them, they're giants of faith. Some of them are giants of conviction. Some of them are giants of persistence. Some of them are giants of purpose. Some of them are giants of deliverance. Some of them are giants with a, god, a godly character. We will see different lifestyle, different people on these pages of the scripture. The writer of this book of Hebrews chapter 12 is encouraging us that to run with these giants, that this race is not a dash. It's not a hundred meter sprint. It is a marathon. Everyone say it is a marathon. Life journey is not a dash. Life journey is a marathon. And so that was what I showed you the uh, Kenanisa Ben Kelly's clip at the beginning for us to understand with this life marathon that it requires different preparation and it requires different diet. And thirdly, the writer of Hebrews chapter 12 encourages us that in order to actually run with this giant of faith, in order for us to be affirmed with it by the testimony of witnesses and not the applause of spectators, it is important that we stay focused. Everyone say, stay focused. We stay focused by looking onto Jesus. In my staff room story, I had to let go of something that was in my hand so that I don't end up in hospital. But letting go of what was in my hand was not as important of, as what I had to cling to. Letting go of what was in my hand, letting go of something was not as important as what I had to cling to at that point in time. I had to reach out and cling to the rails that kept me steady. Right now, if you have decided to let go of certain things in your hand, you equally need to reflect right now, what do I need to reach out and cling to? At this point in time, 
that the whole world is going through change, that the whole world is going through a turbulent time. Maybe some of you need to reach out and cling to family right now. Maybe for a very long time, what you've been holding onto is a selfish mindset. You've been holding to your own substance, the thing that you think is just your own. You've been holding on to just your personal relationship. But right now, maybe God is speaking to you that it's time to run with a giant and let go of your selfish mindset and reach out to family right now. Maybe some of you, God is saying to you, you need to reach out and cling to Jesus and his word right now. For some of you, God is saying, maybe you need to let go of yourself and reach out to a mentor. So in running with the giant, why do we look at Jesus? We look at him as the model of faith. We look at him as a model of discipline. We look at him as a model of rest. Everyone say faith, discipline, rest. Abu says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame. The joy that was set before Jesus was not the wealth of heaven. He already had that. The joy that was set before Jesus was not the wealth of this earth. You and I were the joy that was set before Jesus, that we might be reconciled back to God in glory. And as we go through this series together, Running with Giants, I invite you to come along with me and look at the story of men that changed the face of time, men that endured the, the, the persecution or the difficulties that they go through as a, as a people and people who brought about change in the ordinary ways of life. And as we go this Sunday, as we go this week, we need to remember lessons learned from the life of Mary the sinner or Mary the giant. That in relationship, we always look in, in reflection. We look up with thanksgiving before we look around in criticism. Because some of you right now, you're locked, you're locked in with your partners, with your children. But please, you might be locked in, but please don't be locked out of your relationship. Don't be locked out of your emotion and your compassion and your love for your loved ones. Mary has taught us that we need to always look in, look up before we look around. And secondly, we are learning this week that when we relate with people, their pain and their joy is it's relative to their experience. We're not always the best judge and the best critique of what they are experiencing. And lastly, from the life of this giant of a woman, we have learned that you should never use what should honor God, the time that you honor God, the substance that you honor God, the fellowship that you honor God, the relationship that you honor God. You should never use it for another purpose, regardless of how noble your intention is. We should always ask ourselves this question, Am I honoring God or I just want to massage my conscience and my ego about this? And one thing I've learned about the life of Mary the Giant is a life of unbridled worship. The life of unbridled worship. If there's anything that you and I need to know at this point that we're all locked down, 
is that he God is calling us to a lifestyle of worship a lifestyle of because our worship is not just about our substance our worship is not just about anything our worship is first of all a surrendered life our worship is a place where we come to him in surrender and said nothing matters as long as you I am in your presence nothing matters as long as I'm in your presence it, we should this season that we're all locked out we should be able to roll out of bed in adoration and just lift holy hands to God in worship let our worship be the oil that washes the feet of the master even as we adore and love him this season and our worship is not just in songs our worship should be also in our lifestyle our worship also should be in the way we spend time our worship should also be in the way we spend our substance to honor god hallelujah high time that we started to remember the cost of our oil. That the price of the oil does not become too important. That we neglect the significance of the oil of our worship and surrender. What is it that you have that has not been God that gave it to you? Bow your heads with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you today. We thank you so much that sometimes we're not people of great faith, but we are people of a great God. And we thank you for the new things that you're doing in your church. That right now, you're opening our eyes to see men of great faith, men of great substance, men of great values, men who actually lay down their lives at your feet, that we may emulate them and change our world. Help us, dear Lord, to run with these giants. Help us not to just study their life and lose focus of their conviction. Help us, dear Lord, that as we study their life, as we observe their beliefs, we will be motivated by their convictions, that we will become better people with our partners, with our friends, but above all, that we'll be better followers of Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We give you all the glory and all the praise. Lord, I pray for your people in the name of the Lord Jesus that this week will be a great week for them. That in relationship that your people will be better, they'll be stronger, and they'll be brighter. I'm trusting you, Lord, that you will surround us with peace, with joy, and with gladness. I'm trusting you for wisdom. I'm trusting you for understanding. And I'm trusting you for peace over the life of your people. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you now. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you. And may the Lord give you his peace. God bless you.